All right, today we are joined on the Barrel Proof Baseball Podcast by with Brett Merritt. Uh, Brett is a pitching coach in the Boston Red Sox organization. Um, Brett has made some really interesting stops on his coaching journey that he's going to get into here a little bit. Um, he's definitely a part of the growing trend of coaches going from college baseball into professional baseball. So it's really cool to talk to guys that have um, a similar kind of path in baseball as myself. And Brett is definitely one of those guys. Um, so I'm really looking forward to hearing kind of a little bit more about that path, that journey to where he's at. So Brett, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, man. I'm pumped. So, so you and I met, I think you were at Eastern New Mexico at the time, right? I'm, what year was that? I believe so. It was maybe at, uh, one of, there was a clinic or something in New Mexico. And, and I think we were both attendees at the clinic. Yes. It had to be probably when I was at UNM, yeah. 14 or 15, somewhere there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we, we both uh, have some ties in the state of New Mexico. So, uh, yeah. So Brett, Brett and I have known each other for a little while now and, and worked, uh, worked a lot of the same camps, done the camp circuit together and, Definitely had some fun times doing doing those camps together. So, uh, first and foremost, what are you what are you drinking today? Huh. Uh, a sense? very a very adult drink today. It's a a Mick Ultra, but it's uh, infused with lime and prickly pear cactus. So, the uh, the usual Mick Ultras I'm not a big fan of. Uh, and actually, when I was living in New Mexico, the my roommate at the time turned me on to these. So it's a nice light alternative beer here to kind of feel a little adultish and healthy yeah it's yeah it's low uh low carb or low something i don't know i haven't had beer in so long so i've been on oh, just yeah. whiskey i i was no. gonna say i remember the last time I, I hung out with you was at the albuquerque airport i believe and we, we both happened to be there at the same time and we caught a beer i think right before we parted ways yeah so, but uh yeah yeah i still you know when i'm going Going easy and kind of in chill mode to still have a, a brew every now and again. No, I don't blame you. I just I went with the uh, the Buffalo Trace kosher rye. It's a nice Ooh. little middle of the day, you know, relaxing type drink. Very sophisticated. I I try. I'm 40 now, so you know, <laughs> I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so all right, let's get into some of your uh, some of your baseball journey. So just talk a little bit about. Uh, you know, some of the stops that you've made, I mean, it's, you've been junior college, division two, division one, you know, now into professional baseball. So talk a little bit about your journey, you know, up until this point. Right. Mixing an NAI stop in there too. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Coached college. Uh, I believe by my count, I did that for 12 years. Um, did, did some smaller schools and, you know, when you're at those schools, sometimes there's you know, there's job changes, there's transition. I, I went to one of the Florida junior colleges I was at. I was so excited. Uh, Lake City Community College. Uh, I had Roberto Perez, who's the, the starting catcher for the Cleveland Indians right now. And uh, that school canceled athletics when I was there. So there was a, a period of time for me where I was moving around a lot. I did three summers in the New York Collegiate League, and I was shuffling back and forth between Ohio, Florida. Uh, I came out to Roswell, New Mexico. I coached at New Mexico Military Institute for one season. That was kind of my introduction to New Mexico. I went back to New York, did a couple uh, more years in Florida at Santa Fe College. I went back up to uh, 
Ohio. I spent two years at University of Toledo, volunteer assistant there, and then uh, ended up, uh, my next stop was at Eastern New Mexico University Division II school. And so that's where we met. And I was out, I was in the land of enchantment for five years uh, coaching there. And it was a really great opportunity for me at the time. And then uh, came back to Central Florida Junior College and, and was really lucky uh, to walk into a great situation. We had a lot of great kids and a lot of buy-in and uh, I learned a lot from those kids that year I was there. And then really uh, I was at CF for less than a year. And I think I, I had three pro teams reach out to me. I had the Pirates, Astros, Red Sox, all kind of asked, just kind of to inquire what we were doing uh, with the pitchers there and, and what was kind of separating us. You, you did, I mean, you've been the pitching coach, you've been a recruiting coordinator, and then you were a head coach in summer ball, right? Yeah, oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I did, I did a summer in uh, West Palm Beach at the, uh, in the Cressy League there, and I was the head coach there. So that was a really cool experience for me too. Yeah. How, did, how do you feel like those like different roles that you've had kind of helped prepare you for, you know, getting the opportunity to be with a professional organization? Yeah, I think just – wearing a lot of different hats and, and doing a lot of different things. And I, I was lucky. I think when I first started coaching, someone told me that most coaches, like you're going to spend about 10 years doing a lot of things you don't want to do to get a job that you, you really want. And so, you know, there's a lot of jobs along the way where uh, I can remember coaching junior college and I'm working in the gym and I'm working in the office of admissions and, you know, then I go to Eastern New Mexico and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the compliance, the academics, I'm, I'm mowing the field on game days. And I mean, I'm just doing a lot of different things. And so I think what it taught me was and working with different positions and stuff at all these stops is just um, not only to be flexible, but I became a big believer in, in teamwork and team chemistry and that also uh, applies to, to coaching with other coaches and, and a certain amount of respect that you have to pay coaches when you work with them and, and, and things that help the team chemistry. So I, I think that, that helped me right away because going into pro ball, I wasn't sure the expectations or what exactly, you know, my role was, you know, I was going to, I knew I was, you know, going to coach at high A, but I, I didn't quite have a full grasp on what would be going down at spring training and things like that. And so uh, I had to be flexible. I had to be humble. I had to listen. And those are things really I've done, you know, my, my whole career is like, you know, hey, here, here's a problem and how can we solve it? Not, you, you know, what do I know or where have I been? You know, so getting into to pro ball and, uh, you know, very lucky to be there. But, yeah, I, I just think all those stops along the way, I, I almost treated them like I was a player. Like I always said, every coach has something to teach. And when I was, in, you know, assistant really for 12 years and, and you know one summer I was the head coach but you know you just try to pick everyone's brains and, and try to learn as much as you can you know did you did you have like, interest in going and coaching professional baseball or was that something that like the opportunity came up and you couldn't pass it by um, or was that a goal of yours no I think uh for me personally like when you get into coaching uh especially at the very beginning, you're, you're not doing it for money, right? Because there's just no money right from the jump for most of us. So I got into it uh, just kind of realizing I could help some guys out a little bit and, and getting good results at some small schools. And then, uh, 
you know, I, I think what really gave me some belief in myself was going to coach summer ball and coaching kids from all over the country and having kids from bigger schools and, and seeing good results, like being, you know, flexible there, you know, so uh, it was never a goal of mine. Like, Hey, I want to coach professionally. You know, I, I never played professionally. It was, I love baseball. I wouldn't be doing this, but it was not, you know, my intent. I, I think just kind of what happened is, you know, got, got caught coaching for a long time. And then, uh, you know, you, you start to get the interest and it's like, uh, I, I know Tony Horton is one of my heroes, like the P90X dude. And he's always like results are made outside of the comfort zone. And I found myself at CF. I was in a really great spot. Like I felt like that was my niche. Like I'm coaching pitchers. I'm recruiting. Uh, I thought it was really easy to recruit to Florida. And, and we had a good program that last year I was there. We were, we were number one in the country for a good point of the, the year. And uh, you know, I was really comfortable and I just, I did not pursue any pro opportunities. All three of those teams were proactive in contacting me, but uh, I just think that when it came about it, it was a challenge and it was like, you know, almost a little scary, but it's like, man, you know, if I, you know, this is like a next thing for me, this is a challenge, you know, and uh, you know, the question is always, you know, if I got into coaching to help players, you know, can I still get to the pro level and kind of carry that, that attitude right so now you know I'm their player development and you know it's it's especially at the minor league level it's not about who can win it's about you know who can help players get better so uh I took it as a challenge and uh to to make myself a better coach and uh I don't know I'm I'm excited you know last year was my first year and we only had those those 10 days at spring training so it was a little uh is a little interesting because I didn't know what to expect and then uh, we got into fall and I was able to work at the instructs and do that for six weeks. So that was nice to finally get to, to be able to work with some guys and, and see some changes and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was never my goal to, to coach professionally, but uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunity for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And you said, you said two things I really want to touch or one thing that I really want to touch on and then kind of take it into a different direction. But like you mentioned that you didn't play pro ball. I mean, I, I, maybe 10 days of independent ball under my belt. So obviously I'm an experienced veteran at that level, but um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys I'm, I'm seeing that are getting into professional baseball that have been in our, our shoes with coaching college ball that, you know, played in college, but didn't go and play pro ball. You know, how was that for you? Was there a um, intimidation factor getting into professional baseball, knowing that you're coaching guys that are really higher than a level that you had been at um, I mean, what was that like for you in that transition? Uh, I, I mean, I think from a very young age, I guess, uh, like my dad is actually a, like a hall of fame baseball coach in the state of Ohio. And, uh, he's a well-known dude. And, and he had some kids come out of his high school program that went on to play pro. And one of his friends was actually a coach for the Cleveland Indians uh, the coach's name was Dave Nelson. Well, well, Dave had a son that was a similar age of mine. And when his son was in town in the summer, I would get to hang out with him. And a lot of times that meant just running around the old stadium and being in the clubhouse. So even though I didn't play professionally, uh, or, you know, or come from that family, like I got the experience of kind of being around the clubhouse. And I got to realize that 
pro athletes are just people just like everyone else. Um, there's a couple really cool moments of guys reaching out to me and making me feel welcome, even though, you know, my dad didn't play pro baseball or whatever. I was just there hanging out, just being a kid. And they were just there being baseball players, but still good people. So I, I had that kind of experience. And then, I don't know, I kind of lost track after a while, but I would, I would say somewhere around 40 kids or so that I've, I've coached in college have gone on to play pro ball. And so I just knew, like, I, I kept in touch with those guys and I had heard stories about, you know, how the, you know, the life is of a pro baseball player and things like that. And so I think going into it, uh, maybe I should have been intimidated, but I wasn't. Uh, and, and I think maybe it just says a little bit, a bit about the culture and things of the Red Sox. Like most, most players are there, like they want to get better. So they want to be coached and uh, they're always open to new ideas. And so I, I thought that the environment, not only from the players, but the coaching staff, like everyone made me feel welcome and, and it was a cool experience. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a really good way to look at it because, you know, you get into pro ball, it's your first time, you know, I mean, I wasn't sure, I didn't know what to expect. That was the intimidating part for me was I didn't know what to expect. Kind of the same as your experience, like the people that were, that are there, that are around our organization, just great people, you know, they're really helpful. I think they understand that it's your first time. You don't know what you don't know yet. Um, but I think the intimidation came from more of the unknown than necessarily being in pro ball. But I've heard from people that are trying to get in that, you know, I'm, I'm intimidated because I didn't play. And um, I don't think it necessarily has to be a super intimidating thing to get in there. But um, I was just curious kind of how that came about for you. But the other thing that you had kind of mentioned about coaching at different levels and you know, like I'm with you. I coached the freshman and high school team, you know, I've done the summer ball. Like I think our paths have been very similar. Do you feel like, you know, going through those steps that you went through, um, do you think that those were more beneficial for you versus, you know, just what it is now? A lot of guys are using Twitter as their resume mm -hmm. and, you know, tweeting out their, their stuff and, and their, um, like things that they're doing maybe with their schools or their, their programs or kind of their own individual thoughts using that for getting jobs versus necessarily like being with a team or with a school and showing that success, using that success to springboard them on into whatever other career they want to be on. Uh, but do you feel like actually being in those different spots that you have been, been at um, help prepare you better for where you're at now? Hmm. Which, by the way, I forgot another stop. I, I coached a 1600 team uh, one summer, but uh, okay. uh, so I've been a little bit everywhere. I work my way up. Um, man, yeah, that's a, that's a little tougher question, man. I uh, shoot, man. Uh, you know, the, the Twitter game. I, I'm kind of new to it. Uh, when I was at Toledo, I, I started the Twitter. For the team uh when i was at eastern new mexico i started the twitter for the team there and like no one kind of knew about it and i i spent a lot of time so you know think about that that's seven years of my life that i spent promoting the program where i worked and i was just like not even active like i, I may have had an account but i didn't even know the login so i think uh I, when I got to CEF, it was a big part of the team culture where the, the head coach interacted with the players and also had a lot of updates. Uh, Marty Smith is a big, big social media Twitter guy, uh, a presence that a lot of people know. And so I had to like figure out my login and get back in. And uh, 
you know, in, in those two years or so now that I've been on Twitter, there's just a lot of stuff going on, man. And, and some people have some really good information and, and some people just put a bunch of stuff on there to get uh, clicks and retweets. And then some people, I don't know what the heck they're thinking when they, when they put stuff on there, you know, but uh, Twitter is a really interesting place. And I think that, you know, all the social media stuff, like your experience is what you make it. Uh, so if, if, you know, you get on there and, and sometimes there's some really cool chats and some, some good ideas, just like when you and me would work camps together. Right. right? And I, I did a clinic here a, a couple weeks ago and every time I go to work one of those things, like I try to learn something new, like hopefully when the other coaches are talking about pitching and, you know, I hear something that I didn't think about, like, Hey, we teach our, our pitchers to do this with the changeup or, well, we don't like this or that. Uh, and you know, so just that, that growth mindset. So there is that stuff on Twitter, uh, that can be there and, and young guys or old guys alike. Like, it's kind of cool to me when the old cats get on there and, and, and they're dropping knowledge or they're interacting with, you know, the, the early twenties coaches and, and things like that. Like that stuff's awesome. And then, uh, I do think that, you know, I, I've heard that before that like some people look at Twitter and things like that and, they're, you know, just like they're looking for talent, they're looking for coaches, but uh, that none of that stuff kind of played a factor uh, with me. I think it was just more word of mouth that CF had really developed that reputation as being a really progressive program where they were, you know, trying new things out in development. And, you know, two of the coaches that were there before me got hired by the Twins. Uh, and so it was just became like, a, well, this is kind of an interesting spot to be, you know. And uh, that, that's where the interest came from was just our program had some good success uh, and I was there for a very short time. So a lot of that's due to the people that were there before me and the head coach, Marty Smith, but people were definitely interested in how I was, you know, using the rap soda and some of the other technology and, and applying it and using it with our kids. Yeah. I, I always think it's interesting because there, I think there's a place for it. I mean, there's definitely a place for Twitter and the information that's being shared some of the conversations are outstanding, you know, and then you just have the other side, you have the people that are just there to hammer people and, and just crush their opinions. And, you know, sometimes it's funny, but other times it's like, well, you know, provide something. If you're going to, if you're going to, you know, hammer on people, like provide something that's, that's of use. But I always find it interesting how, you know, people who have been in colleges where you have to win, you have to go and produce players and you have to develop them and move them on whether it's from a junior college to a four-year school or from a four-year school to professional baseball. You know, I just think there's a lot of people that are trying to skip some steps right now um, and, and trying to use social media as like their means to do that. So I'm just, uh, I guess it's, it's just interesting to me kind of where we're at, especially right now, like in the age of COVID and whether it's in coaching or whether it's in, um, you know, players with, with getting recruited. I think the whole kind of social media thing is very odd right now, but yeah. You know, I, I grew up in Ohio, so uh, naturally I was an Ohio State football fan, or I still am. But uh, I had heard once when Urban Meyer was there that he required all the assistant coaches there to tweet once a day. And the reason why is just the free advertising and kind of speaking to the audience, you know, which all the kids are on social media at some point. So I do think that there's some benefit and, and some merit there uh, for programs that do it. Um, you know, I, and I can see how it can be beneficial with recruiting to kind of have your stuff out there. And then, like you said, there, there's, there's some good and some bad, just like with anything, you know? Yeah, I agree. 
so you had you had teams reaching out to you, um, you know, and, and kind of the Red Sox were the ones that either you, know, you pursued more heavily or they pursued you more more heavily, um, you know. And we'll, you taught me mentioned Rapsodo. Like I'd like to get into some of the technology stuff that you were familiarizing yourself with as well. But kind of talk about that process with the Red Sox a little bit. What was that like for you going through that like that hiring process? Yeah, I mean, it was a. Uh... One of those things where, you know, just started with a couple of phone calls, just real basic conversations, just, you know, asking, you know, would I be interested in, in pro ball and things like that. And uh, I got to be honest, like it, it took a little bit of them convincing me that it would be a good opportunity. I wasn't, like I said, I was very comfortable at CF. I wasn't ready to just jump ship for the first thing that came up open. Uh, but, um, you know, kind of started the, – the Red Sox were interesting. Like, they were just kind of hot and cold the whole time. Like, I, I heard from them. The very first team that ever contacted me was the Pirates. And, man, they had, like – I think I talked to over a dozen people on the on the phone and so had some really cool conversations. And then uh, things progressed a little bit. And then uh, pitching coach job came open with the Astros, which was in West Palm Beach. And I've always been a big beach guy, so I was pretty gung-ho trying to do that. And, and they did a uh, – I remember um, they used some type of an app to interview me. So it was just like a Zoom call, but there wasn't anyone there. Like the question would pop up, and then I'd have like two minutes to respond. And that was an interesting application of technology right there. Um, so I was like – I'm like, I've never done this before. How do you talk to a computer screen? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And then – uh. And then the Red Sox thing, finally, you know, they, uh, man, I want to say it was like right before Christmas, they hit me up and I'm, I'm living in Florida and my family is in Ohio. And so I think, you know, I have like my flight, the 23rd, I'm going to fly up to Ohio to see my family or something like that. And so they hit me up on the 20th, like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, I'm not doing anything tomorrow. They're like, how would you like to come up to Boston? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so just like that, it was like, boom. You know, I have this two-day window. So uh, I remember uh, I checked my closet, went to put on the suit I had. It was a little tight, so I had to go to the store. I picked out another suit. I uh, really didn't, wasn't sure what to wear. I called a couple people, and I just kind of came to that conclusion. I was going to wear a suit. So I went to the mall. I got a suit. Uh, I had to drive. I decided I was driving down to the Tampa airport that night. Uh, I got locked out of my car at the mall, had to wait for someone to come uh, unlock it for me. Drove down to Tampa, got a hotel. It was like a, a 6 a.m. flight or something like that. So I got, uh, you know, I got like four or five hours sleep. I get to the airport and my flight got canceled. And they're like, oh, it's uh, there's bad ice and there's like, there's no chance to reschedule or anything. It's just like canceled. Like I was supposed to fly up for the day and come back. So I just sat at the airport. Like uh, I text the people that, that had paid for my flight. Hey, my flight's canceled. What do you want me to do? And, you know, two and a half hours later, you know, when normal people wake up, <laughs> they text me like, uh, see if you can get one tomorrow. So I'm like, this is my last day in Florida. So got my flight changed to the next day drove an hour and a half back up to Ocala, packed all my things for winter break, drove back down to Tampa and got another hotel room for the night. And then, uh, 
the next morning I flew up to Boston and it was like a, you know, a bam, bam, one day thing. I, I, it was really awesome, man. I got to fly up there, um, got to interview at Fenway park, which was just so freaking cool. Um, but got to meet with a lot of different people, uh, got a quick lunch, got to meet with the, you know, people, analytics, coaches, you know, different people in player development. Uh, and actually, I got to sit in Tony LaRusso's old office, which was also cool. Cool. Yeah. cool. So it was just like a lot of, as a baseball historian and fan, like there was a lot of cool stuff going on. And it was such a great experience for me. And I remember because I had done the video interview with the uh, Astros and I had had so many conversations with the Pirates, I remember leaving like, man, I killed that. Like every time they asked me a question, like I just – like I had already been asked that question before. So it was really an easy, smooth time. And I feel like, you know, maybe personality wise and stuff like that, I I really clicked with some of the dudes. So I left uh, having a pretty good feeling that uh, at least it was a good interview. And if it didn't work out that uh, I was going to get another job offer pretty soon. Like I felt like I, I handled myself well. I knew what I was talking about. So it was, it was an awesome experience, man. It was really cool. That's cool. It's, it's always fun hearing about guys getting into pro ball, especially for the first time and going through that process. Because it seems like different organizations do it differently. So it's pretty cool. Like that's, I'm sure it was fun flying up and getting out of Fenway and, and being a part of that. Mm-hmm. Getting, so once you, you get hired, you know, you've made the transition. Like what has that transition overall been like? Has there been any – you know, like what are the biggest differences between college ball, professional baseball? You know, were there any surprises? Like were there similarities that you were maybe not expecting? Uh, but what's, what's that kind of been like? Uh, I think a lot of things went how I expected them to be. Maybe not how I wanted them right away, but like, uh, you know, they're, you know, the, the usual stuff, right? Like you, you go through all the contract stuff, you, you get your, your login from, from IT, you get your, your email, which I'm like, wow, my email says Red Sox. Like, that's really cool. Like, <laughs> you know, like, the, like stuff like that. And then uh, probably the, the biggest like question mark for me was kind of how, how spring training was going to work. Uh, but I was really lucky. Like uh, we we're just super, you know, even though it was my first rodeo, it was not everyone else's. So we were super well organized and they kind of had accounted for the fact that I'd never been a part of a spring training before. So you know, even though it wasn't like specifically like I was shadowing someone, there was always someone, if there was a, a chart or a drill or anything, like all the dudes in the Red Sox organization are just great dudes. And so it was easy for me to just be humble enough and like ask questions like, Hey, why are we doing this? Hey, when we are doing this, like, what should I be doing? You know, interaction wise and things like that. And then uh, technology wise, just, uh, adjusting to the different metrics and things that the, you know, that they were looking at. So, uh, I mean, it was a total learning experience for me, you know, and, and in spring training goes super fast. And for someone that's never been there, and then we just had those, those 10 days and then the world kind of came to a pause, but, uh, it, it went super fast, man. It was a lot. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. So my, is there, have you come across anybody in any capacity with the organization that's been like um, 
significantly more impactful on you or, or done anything that's really stood out. And I, like, I will preface this for me as obviously like the amount of staff that we have and the people that, that are around, we have so many people that have helped us out. But like I always, I've always told people and I'm, you know, now it's with you guys, but you know, last year in the AZL, um, Kike Hernandez came down and played with us and he was rehabbing from an injury, you know, and we are in the AZL and we've got kids that are, you know, 17 to 20 years old, you know, a lot of them, their first time playing professional baseball and that the way that dude played the game was unreal. Like, I mean, he was flying around the bases, you know, going first to third and, and the, the reads he was getting on the base paths and just the overall effort he put in where if you see a guy that's in the big leagues and he's, he's had a nice role with us for, for a few years now, obviously with Boston, but you're watching him play with a bunch of 17 to 20 year olds and like he's playing harder than anybody on the field, both, both teams included. And it was really cool to see like a guy that our guys were looking up to come down and play with them alongside them. And just the example he set by the way he played, I thought was so, was so awesome for our guys to see. And so for me, it was almost like you can, you should, I need to make sure I'm expecting that out of our players because here's a guy that just is, you know, won a World Series and he just got paid. Like, if he can do it in the AZL, I promise you, you can too. Yeah. Um, just, just for me, I would say, you know, obviously, like, the, the coordinators and stuff, they have their roles and telling everyone where to be. And so that, you know, I, I got to talk to most of the coordinators and stuff coming into it. But the, the game changer for me or, like, what really helped was just – just the other pitching coaches, like being the new guy there, I felt like, you know, and being a, from a different background, like they didn't have to help me, but I felt like, uh, you know, like those guys just went above and beyond to let me know, you know, just like the little things, man, the things that I just had no idea about, like the charts, like where to keep stuff and like, you know, just locker room stuff, like anything baseball wise. I mean, there was a lot of things, I think from a coaching standpoint and a communication standpoint, I was like, I'm super ready to crush this. But I just, like you said, there's that, that big unknown, that, that scary part of like, well, I don't know how this is supposed to go or, you know, like whatever, like meeting schedules, just different things. Um, and, and it's hard to explain without even being there, but there's just way, way things need to be done or whatever. And uh, those were the things that, uh, man, I would not have survived without the other coaches and so, not even necessarily the pitching coaches, but just, just everyone in general, just being really friendly and, and going out of their way, uh, just kind of to help me out. Man. It's awesome. I mean, it's always, it's cool. And you have such just like great people that you're surrounded by. You know, I mean, we feel the same way. We've got great people that are always willing to help out and, you know, it makes you almost when you're not the new guy and there is a new guy there, like you know that you can reach out to them if they need help, knowing that they're probably going to want to know, you know, some of the things that you went through as well that could help them out. But uh, I know you are a big uh, you're driveline fan uh, or, or just technology in general, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how you mentioned the Rapsodo, you know, when you're in Central Florida, like how are or how have you seen the increase in technology or some of the training programs like driveline um, or, you know, whatever core velocity belt or any other training type programs that 
you know, pitching, especially pitching, um, has, has started to use. Do you think that stuff is pushing things in a better direction or, or is it, you know, helping overall pitchers? Um, like I know when I've stood in on bullpens, it's, it's gross. And I don't want to, I'm so glad I'm not a hitter and I'm 40 and I don't need to be near that. Cause oh, I just feel like everybody throws hard and their stuff is filthy. Oh, um, I just feel like guys are like really, really good right now. And, you know, I have to wonder if all this technology and all this other stuff is really helping make guys that much better. Um, or are guys just better athletes right now? Like where do you see the place for the tech for, you know, those types of, of programs that are going on and, and where do you see that going and, and, you know, pushing the game forward? Yeah, I think it's just a, like a combination on a lot of things you just touched on, but oh my gosh, yeah, the pitchers are so gross now and so nasty. And I remember, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of someone like when I was in high school, like Billy Wagner or Jose Mesa, like the closers throwing like 96 and people are like, those guys throw so hard. And I grew up idolizing Nolan Ryan and stuff too. And obviously Nolan was hundred or whatever, but those guys were, you could count on one hand, you know, and now it's like, you turn on the TV to watch a big league game and every single no name dude coming out of the pen throws fuzz. Like it's absolutely amazing, you know? And yeah, you know, yes, there's more to baseball than just throwing hard, you know, especially for pitchers, but it's mind blowing how, how hard guys throw now. And so, yeah, I think a, a combination of uh, better training, uh, figuring out how to implement tech, um, you know, I, I think that the philosophy has changed a lot. I remember being in college and, and my coaches calling me into the office and telling me that I was lifting weights too much. Like now it's like, you know, most college programs are going to consistently lift, you know, year round. I mean, and so, you know, those kids start with that and then they get into college. And so just better, better training, uh, better tech, you know, and I don't think, uh, you know, I think that things are just evolving, you know, it's just like our world right now. It's evolving, you know, some things are are never going to change and some things are just going to constantly evolve. And so, yeah, right now with, with the tech and stuff, I mean, man, every kid has some type of social media, right? So that that's my big thing is communication. Like, a, you know, this guy saw this drill on Instagram, this guy saw, uh, you know, the rap soto on Twitter and now he wants his curveball to look like this guy's curveball and things like that. So it's important for me uh, as a method of communication to stay up on all that stuff. So when my kids come to me, I, I understand what they're saying, right? Like speak the language of your players. And then uh, I, I think a big part of like my role is to look at the technology and instead of giving them a bunch of numbers that they don't understand, it's like, how can I put this in a, a really simple thing, you know, that a kid can understand. And, you know, maybe you have a kid that doesn't buy into tech, but he's a really competitive kid. Well, maybe if I make a leaderboard, then he'll want to be at the top of the leaderboard, like stuff like that. Really simple stuff, right? That we had leaderboards when we were in middle school basketball or whatever. It's just like, you know, there's stuff that's just going to cycle back and forth and, I think that the use of technology and, you know, like, like all the stuff with cameras right now and pitches and stuff, like it's just bringing baseball full circle. Like all the old school guys will tell you that they used to have weighted balls or throw softballs or, 
Uh, I remember a story of Nolan Ryan. They said he'd take a softball and pound uh, nails into it to make it heavier to long toss. And, you know, so people have been doing this stuff a long time, and I think it's just getting more organized, and there's a better path and a better direction for it. I think that, you know, you, you hitting nuts, you guys took a lot of stuff from, like, the golf guys. Like, golf game was ahead of us, like, measuring the, the swing path and the angle and the speed, and then – then the hitters caught on to that in baseball. And now it's like our, our, our pitchers need to make adjustments and, and, and combat, you know, those things that you guys are working on. Uh, so it's just like, it's going to be a constant back and forth thing. You know, baseball will always be the game that we grew up loving. It's just, you know, it's just going to change, man. And that's just, that's just life. Things change sometimes. Yeah. You meant, I mean, you mentioned like evolving and remember a year or two years ago, went down to Tucson and Brent Strom was down there speaking about pitching and, you know, the guy's 70 something years old and he's speaking a language that, you know, some of these younger coaches are really trying to master and, and have an understanding that he has. And I can assure you at 70 something years old, things have changed throughout his career but he's evolved as well. And I see that with like our pitching coaches, some of the older guys, you guys that have been around and you see that, you know, all throughout baseball, I mean, the good coaches, the ones that are, are pushing their careers forward are able to evolve a little bit, um, a little bit faster than others, you know, and then, and then the tech and that's where I, my question always comes in. Like, that's where I always kind of doubt things, not doubt, but like, I want to clarify, we yeah. can have numbers, we can have, you know, all the data, we can have all this stuff available to us, but it always comes down to how are you using that? How do you make those numbers that you have access to relevant? Because the numbers alone by themselves don't speak the whole story. Correct. Correct. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's, those things are imperfect too. You know, yeah. we're the human element will always play a little bit of a part in it for sure. But uh, Brent, Brent Strong, yeah, I, I was fortunate. I met him my senior year of college. I flew down to the Texas uh, ranch there with Ron Wolford. And those guys are, are some, some heroes, man. They really – they probably didn't realize it at the time, but they changed the path of baseball and for pitchers for sure. So, yeah, I got down there, and I remember uh, sitting down at the hotel breakfast with Brent and, and asking him a couple questions and picking his brains. And I remember there was a chart that I wanted or something, and he was really personable and nice. Like, he gave me his email, and, and sure enough, like two weeks later, he saw, shot me the chart that I was asking about and things like that. So – to, like I said, to see the guys like that that have been in the game a long time and see how their thought process has evolved and how they can continue to communicate and, and come up with new ideas and better ideas and things like that, like, wow. I mean, that just, you know, really just says a lot about them and, and really kind of like the type of coach that I'm aspiring to be. Yeah, I, I think just like what you said, when, when I saw him afterwards, I'd asked him for a copy of his presentation. I don't know anything about pitching. You know, they're trying yeah. to get us out. But his, his, um, his presentation was awesome, and I wanted a copy of it. And I asked him for it, and he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, hey, I just got, I want to give you a heads up. Like, I'm, I want you to know I'm with the Dodgers. Like, I didn't want to, you know, make it seem yeah. like I was trying to, you know, go around and get information that, you know, he was privy to that we weren't. And, he looked at me like he could not care less. Like, good, you can have all my stuff. Like, you can't, you're not going to teach it like I am. We didn't say that, but, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, yeah, there, there's, there's a point where having that information is great, but being able to relay that information to the players and make it relevant for those guys in your own words and your own communication style is really what matters most, I think. 
Absolutely. All right, last thing. College baseball, I'm going to compare the two a little bit. What do you what do you miss the most about college baseball? And what do you enjoy the most about professional baseball? Uh that's so easy, man. In college baseball, I just miss that uh well, right now I'm missing the personal interday, everyday interaction, right? And the JUCO games are actually going on uh, here in Florida. But that the recruiting process, like getting to know someone and then watching them uh, grow as a person and as a player, uh, I mean, that is just so cool. I think that, like, you show up to school in August and you already know who this kid is because you've been talking to him and then you get to watch him take your advice and, and hopefully get better at least as a person or in the classroom or, or whatever, you know, I think that the academic stuff, like I can think of a a couple kids that came in as poor academic students in high school or JUCO and got, had their parents come to me and say that those were the best GPAs they'd ever got in their life. And it was like putting emphasis on, on, you know, study habits and study hall, like stuff like that. It's so cool. But then, uh, now to, to flip it to the pro side, you know, oh my gosh, these, these kids are all so talented and, you know, there, there's no doubt like the guys in pro ball are there because they want to be there, right? Like, I mean, they, everyone has their own path to get there or whatever. And um, now I've been fortunate, I think now in the off season, as I start to build a rapport and I have a call list, uh, like, you know, there, there's, you know, 10 guys that I talk to and some guys I connect with more than others, but some of those kids, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. Like I, that human element of connecting with people will always be the highlight for me, man. And I just hope these kids know that I'm their biggest fan, you know, and I just want everyone to succeed. I think the hardest part about being a coach is seeing kids struggle or, or fail. So I don't think kids realize that, man, we just want those guys to do well. Yeah, I could not possibly agree with you anymore. That's perfectly said. So, Brad, I appreciate you jumping on here with me, man. It was great catching up with you. It's been too long. It's been great, brother. Yeah, we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you again.